Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. All right, welcome to the Palazzo Podcast, Prospects Power Hour, and tonight we have a special edition of our Prospects show, and we are going to be talking some Orioles baseball. Now, if you would have told me this five years ago, I would have thought that you're nuts, Uh, but right now in the, and, and I'll admit to being old enough that I have followed Prospects for decades at this point, I... I don't know that I've ever seen a system this deep as far as quality prospects this deep. And not only that, I I, I started following the prospects because I was a high schooler and my favorite team had Andrew Jones as the number one prospect for two years in a row. And so I was like, oh, cool. This prospect thing might be kind of important to get a hold of um, and get, get some knowledge on. And I don't, and since that point and, it might be true before that at some point that I don't remember, but I don't ever remember a team having three different guys be the number one offseason prospect three years in a row. I've never, I don't ever remember that happening. I've seen, you know, one guy stick as that number one guy for two years and then maybe another guy shift in, but never three different guys which allowed for one to graduate each of the last two years, and now you still now you still have the number one prospect in the game in the Baltimore Orioles. So tonight I'm joined by our own Mike Virginia, and uh, he's going to be check you know our our resident Orioles stan, and then uh, <laughs> we're also joined by Eric Garfield. You'll know him as Eric from Birdland on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it nowadays, and. Uh, Eric, also, if you follow Eric on Instagram, I will guarantee you you're going to get some amazing prospect video and picture content. So that is a great, you know, that's not a social that we usually chat a lot about here, but Instagram with Eric is a very, very good thing to follow. So guys, welcome. Thank let's you. talk some more. Let's talk some Orioles. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And also, before we get started, I'm here to say that when we have this show in about 12 months... There's a, there's a distinct possibility that they're going to have the fourth number one prospect in a row, and we will get into some specifics about that, uh, like I guess later on during the show. But if you're not excited by three, maybe maybe four will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm. Go ahead, Ben. I was just gonna. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we we kick right into our first topic, really here, there guys, with go. our first comment. So. Big news. Yeah. And, and I would say, you guys, Angelos, the Angelos family in general, may be in the realm of the three most, least liked owners in sports. I mean, you can't really beat John Fisher right now. That's, that's kind of difficult to do. But other than that, 
I mean, that's would, a that's a pretty yeah. hard bar to pass to get anyone beyond, you know, outside of John Fisher that's worse than Angelos. So I would say that Danny Snyder of the Washington Commanders was the only owner that was worse than the Angelos family. And I want to go on record of saying I'm not here to trash the the, the fam, Peter, John, whoever. But yep. this is in my lifetime from an O's fan, lifelong O's fan. Um, uh, when I was growing up, there were no nationals. I live in the Northern Virginia area. Um, but the Baltimore Orioles were, were a team that I grew up with and, and, and still to this day love to, to death and I'm this is arguably the the most monumental moment as an O's fan in my lifetime um and I could not be happier I still am and and not believing it yet as like I said I still feel like I'm in a dream somewhere Eric what are, what are your what's your take on this what does this do for the franchise and really for the fan base moving forward well it's very nice to meet you fellow Orioles supporter Uh, you know i'm I'm trying to keep it in perspective but i really am truly overwhelmed by the act in itself but i'm very optimistic about what it means going forward really my i want the orioles to win the world series very badly there's other ways to look at their development and see that they are and have been recently successful winning finishing first in the division having the number one system they're all indicators but you want to see other results you want to see other people Mm -hmm. kind of joining and staying what i mean is they need to extend adley they need to extend gunner henderson and with the angelos family there was zero possibility of that happening they made it clear that they wanted fans to foot the bill for future stardom and that's just not how this sport or the economics of it work So weeks later, they don't own the team anymore. So I'm going to be optimistic and and think slash hope that the young stars that the Orioles are developing and crossing the line into the the majors stay in in orange and black. But there's other aspects, specifics of the the transition from kind of like jerk, difficult owner to new new blood, new life type of owner. So those are the things that I'm really – Looking forward to finding out over the next, I don't know, 12, 12 months to, 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 to 30 months. Are tickets going to go down? Is promotion going to be different? Is media coverage or the media network going to be exactly the same? Are, are, are the, the bad kind of like non-helpful people in the organization going to be moved out? So there's really a lot to look forward to other than the on-field product that's very clearly improved. Yeah. And, and, and well said, Eric, you know, at, and at, for me, at least for the, for this team moving forward, this couldn't have happened at a better time simply for the season that the O's just had last year. Um, I know it, it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to in the playoffs, but um, with our, our core group of young talent and even the guys that haven't even made it to the majors yet, which we'll get into here in a little bit, um, the bird bath, right? Uh, I mean, there's just so many things to be excited for. And then this team being sold, um, there's a lot of buzz going into the season. I can't, I, I can't imagine there's any fan out there that doesn't feel good about our team moving forward. And to your point, extending some of our younger guys, our young superstars like Adley and Gunner, um, and even some of these guys that are down in the in the minors, um, you know, Kobe Mayo, maybe making some deals to improve the starting rotation, um, whatever it may be. So um, uh, I, I, for one, cannot be happier, and I'm going to be looking forward to, uh, to being at Camden Yards uh, with all the excitement going around. You know, one of the things that I think this brings up is a very good question that 
kind of hit hard at in, during trade season last year when the Orioles were kind of dinking around trying to do whatever they could to get a player that wasn't going to hurt them in the pocketbook um, as they were trying to acquire a starter. They were trying, you know, the, in it, in the end, it kind of bit them and they get into the playoffs and boy, it would have been nice if they could have dumped the money in for, and the problem is you're really looking, there wasn't a ton available, but what if they would have outbid for Justin Verlander? You know what I mean? A guy like that yep. who at least would have brought you that veteran, I've been there before sort of sort of thing. But it required that would have required them to take on way more money than a John Flaherty did for sure. Yep. And so and very likely, I mean, let's be honest, the, the Astro or the Astros gave up two guys that are legit 100 type pros, top 100 type of prospects in order to get Verlander and you know, that salary still the Orioles. I don't, it, are they now going to be a little more willing to part with some of those prospects because the financial end of the guy they're getting, isn't going to immediately shut down a trade. That's one question. And we don't know that, but it's, it has to be an element. It really does. Well, we we've got a little bit of, of recent evidence to look at how willing they were at least under Angelo's, because Flaherty is, is who they acquired. You know, they're kind of chasing innings as they get closer to the playoffs. Not the most ideal strategy. They gave up prospect capital. Depending on what you think of Drew Rahm and Cesar Prieto, I'll be inclined to listen to whatever you say. But I've seen more Zach Showalter than you. And that's going to be somebody that they're going to most definitely regret Almost, mm-hmm. you know, giving up for nothing. They got nothing from Flaherty. So as the years go by and he gets closer to the bigs and eventually crosses that line, they're going to realize that they gave up something for nothing. And maybe it's just better to give the major league talent cash at the beginning of the process and keep that prospect capital if you want to continue to evaluate it. It's well, a little indicator. And, yeah, and I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on this, Eric. How much do you think Angelos had a say in trading some of these guys, um, you know, in terms of our prospects, do you think that he was kind of maybe holding Elias back in terms of of, of maybe trading some of our top younger talent for a, a top arm like Verlander, like Ben, ben mentioned? I, I don't know how much he was involved in like, hey, I know Zach Showalter. I know his splitter. I know his stuff, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I don't I, I don't think so. But when the return is someone that he's going to have to eventually pay and pay a major league pay rate and maybe in in his mind is a lot, then yeah, absolutely. He's been holding Elias back. And I think, again, that's something him and his family have not been shy about, about demonstrating. Like we have our way of running a business and we have our particular profits in mind. And if a high budget arm comes in and throws that off, we're just going to not let that happen again a very difficult way to own a franchise if, if success is what you're angling at in, 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 in the 2020s. So, yeah, I do think he was. And in a weird way, you know, this this jerk was kind of proud of that. Like, this is oh. how he demonstrated, demonstrated yeah. control. So in so many ways, you know, I really am glad that, that we can all just kind of move on from that type of personality and have someone who might be a little more bought in i i guess by the way this is a good time to remind everybody 
that in 1993, it seemed like Peter Angelos was going to be that guy, a, a, a Baltimore-based, extremely wealthy professional, you know, of, of, of philanthropy-type-minded person. So things change over time, and I guess billionaires are, are a particular type of people, but now we've got somebody different, so we can hope that the, the course doesn't go the, the Angelos way. And I know the agent isn't all of it, but Gunnar Henderson is represented by Scott Boris. Yep. He is not going to give you a hometown discount. You know, nope. usually if a player will sign an extension as a Boris client, they're going to do that by going around, yep. <laughs> going around Boris and say, Hey, I really want to be here. I want to stay here. Um, but, you know, Adley, I think, is he still with uh, like the, is it like Beverly Hills sports yes. or whatever? Yep. Yep. Um the ones that negotiated with him when he was number one. And, you know, there's no reason you couldn't get that. But what on earth would Adley have? Why would he ever give a discount? You know, and, you know, we folks want to look at things like, you know, being a Braves fan. They want to look at a Ronald Acuna Jr. contract. Okay, Ronald Acuna Jr. is making $100 million, folks. You know, yeah, Austin Riley signed for a contract that's going to pay him $210 million. You know, the overall amounts on these contracts are significant money. Oh, yeah. And that's that's how you get a kid to the table that wants to make sure that his family is taken care of forever, things like that. That's really what this is all about. And I mean, you're if you're looking at, you know, Gunner, you're looking at Adley and looking at locking those type of guys up long term, it's gonna require, I mean. I think 200 million is kind of your minimum that you're walking to the table with. And I don't, I mean, that might be a five year, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you're telling me that Adley Rutschman wants, let's say 25 a year at, for his extension, are you telling me he's not going to be worth that? I mean, yeah. Well, well, you might debate his ceiling. You might debate his defense. But really, he's a number one overall pick that is not a bust that you can rebuild your entire franchise around. I guarantee you that's worth an absolute ton. So the O's and their new seriously rich owner hopefully (laughs) have the intent of providing that security that you spoke of so the other side of the table can just play baseball and do what they're best at. And so, you know what the 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 work before I want to get into the prospect stuff here in a second, but I I do have one comment to make too. I remember being outside of Pickles, right outside Camden Yards, and they had a little sign up. This is when Manny Machado was still with us, and I believe mm-hmm. it was in either the year before we traded him or the year of we traded him. I can't remember, but the sign said Machadios because, and this is before every, everybody even knew that he was going to be traded. Yeah. It's because the the whole town knew that he wasn't signing back with us. That that that. that Ownership was not going to keep him in Baltimore. Um, and it's it's tough to be excited when we we repeat the same vicious cycle, right? We bring up guys like Machado, and then we deal him. And then we get another high draft pick. He comes All up, right. he's a star, and then we trade him. And we don't sign these guys back. But we did make one of the most monumental moves in sports history. We signed Chris Davis to all of that money. So that was good, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, so – to get, I just I wanted to look this up real quick. You know, he just got elected. So Joe Maurer, number one overall pick as a oh, catcher, so awesome. did everything you could ask him to do. Just got elected into the Hall of Fame. His extension in 2010 
Oh, this is going to be so low. Was an eight-year, $184 million extension. Oh, no way. No. He, well, but he, granted, he was coming off of an MVP season MVP, yeah. and MVP, all that. Sure. So, I mean, for that time, that was really darn good market, $23 million a year. You oh. telling me that if you wouldn't walk up to Adley Rutschman and give him 8-2? Oh. You know, no just, just no a hair of it. Like, he at least wouldn't go, oh, that's interesting. Let's have a conversation. It may not get it done, but it would at least get you into the, you know, get you at the table and we could start talking from that point. Ben, I'm going to estimate that's more than what's happened, like contract talks with him, with his camp in the Orioles over the last <laughs> four, four or five years. Just, yeah. Just oh, yeah, absolutely. Accepted. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that would, you would, I would almost guarantee at least he comes to the table if you walk in with something like that because it shows you're serious. Yep. And right, you know, I really didn't feel like you ever felt like the Angels were serious when they came to some, except for a guy like what did I don't know what it was with power hitters and especially aging power hitters. Now Nelson Cruz ended up being a pretty solid deal, yep. but. You know, guys who are on the wrong side of, for sure, on the wrong side of 27, often on the wrong side of 30, 35. Oh, different standards. It's like, it's like, let's, let's throw them an eight, you know, an eight figure contract, but let's, no, we're not going to give that to our up and coming, you know, stud players. We're going to let them go somewhere else. That kills me. So, right. So. Right. And it looks like Michael Elias and Sigma Dial are already way smarter than the evaluators back then so, yeah. so we've got some yep. like a layer of protection just in case the owner's trigger finger gets itchy and he wants some some old power so yeah. we did say we we're going to get into the prospects we probably should do some of that okay. um so i guess we know that i i guess i i missed what how many kylie had today i was Kind of going to compare to see because I know he likes certain systems a lot more than others. And uh, I was just wanting to see how many Orioles ended up on his top 100, but I believe it was eight. Mm. It was either seven or eight that were on the BA top 100. And with one guy, you know, they're, and if you go down their top eight on their system, um, I know that they talked about number nine in their podcast about their their uh, top 10 as being a guy who was really close for a lot of people. And that's Enrique Bradfield. Okay. That he was, he was a guy that was on some 100 list, but just didn't rank high enough on the consensus to make it. That's a hell of a system. When you could talk about nine legit guys for a top 100 list, but guys beyond that, there's some really freaking good players here. And yeah. that's one of the downfalls when you're trying to cover the Orioles system in a system like we do with our three and three, you're leaving behind so many oh, yeah. guys. And that's, I guess for me, I thought that that would be a great reason to have this top, this podcast today, just so we can get into some of those guys that just don't get the, the love that maybe they probably should. So, well, the, the affiliates, their winning percentage ha- has been good, except for Delmarva at, during the, the rebuild time frame. And th- I think even that is getting to the level of where they are right now. They want to have competition for every single position, every single position group on every single level. And, and it hasn't 
fully formed over the last three years, but it's getting I- extremely close. Most of the people that we talk about and, and that prospect the prospect community recognizes as Orioles star players or name type prospects, there's someone right behind them if they get hurt or if they get dealt that are going to take that space and take that mantle immediately. So no matter what you look at or like what city you live near, if you live closer to Aberdeen or Delmarva, or if you live down here and watch the, in Florida and watch the, uh, mm-hmm. the FCL, the rookie league, like me, there's going to be a lot of eye catching skills and, 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 and names to follow. Some systems have it at the top, or you know, one major name, and then everybody else isn't the same. But that that depth and that competition everywhere is what's k- going to keep them in the top five, or maybe even as high as number one as some of the names graduate. Which is a mm-hmm. process kind of already started. Yeah, and to to Ben's point too, to have nine guys in the top one hundred is crazy. But at the same time too, like we have a, a plethora of guys who are already in the majors, in the bigs that they're going to be here for a while. How do you fit all these guys in? Even the guys that we're going to be talking about a little bit later today that may not be as well known. Um, you know, where do these guys play? There's only there's only nine positions here, folks. Uh, so, you know, and 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 Eric, I'm interested to hear your take before we dive in a couple of these guys. What do you think's preventing the or maybe it's the ownership? But what do you think the the the, the holdup is with dealing some of these guys? Uh, maybe some of our middle infield prospects or even third base, you know, second base shortstop, whatever. Um, what do you think the holdup is to deal for a frontline starter and a guy maybe like Dylan Cease or Corbin Burns? Uh, maybe the price tag is just too high for some of these guys, but um, maybe they're looking for the right deal. I don't know. What's your take on that? I am thinking that the ownership situation had a little bit to do with it, maybe more than a little bit. But when we're talking about the potential trade pieces like Westberg, Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby, Kate Povich, any of these guys, it's not like they're unknowns to the Orioles. The Orioles know every single thing about them as people, as players, ha- have placed a more accurate depiction of where their ceiling is going to be. So I wish that I had a better answer, but I, I don't think it's to evaluate them in camp this year in February and March. So I, I'm going to estimate that they worked a lot with the White Sox, even going as far back as the trade deadline last year. And they have a desire for cease, but their desire for cease and what the White Sox are requiring in a return are not close. And from that time to now, have not got that much closer. Perhaps it will be revisited around July of next year, or maybe they're just going to move on to, to another name, someone who's uh, and, and maybe not uh, a high ceiling or maybe doesn't have the statistical profile of a Cease or a Burns, right. but someone they feel can last between 160 innings and, and 200 and isn't asking for Mayo or Basayo or someone like that and doing so stubbornly to the point where they don't realize they're not getting mayo for their 1A or 1A, 1 starter. Right. Yeah, and, and well said. Uh, ben, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, the you, know, you mentioned earlier the Cesar Prieto, you know, and Drew Rome. That type of guy right now in the Baltimore system, I think, is a dime a dozen. They have a lot of really I good I, I, I high agree. floor, I mean high floor arms, high floor bats 
that, frankly, when we go through these three and threes, you can dream on an international guy from almost every system. You can dream on a on a low A kid in almost every system. But to have that guy that you're like, that's a major leaguer. I don't know if he's a future, you know, ten year starter or if he's going to be a bench player, if he's going to be an up and down guy. But that's major league skill right there. And yep. you know, guys like you said, like Roman Prieto, those are definite major league guys someday. They yep. just they might end up being Prieto might be a guy that you bring off your bench and plays very well for you off that way in that role. He might be the type of guy that slips in and can start for you for two, three years and does okay there. Rome, I'm, gosh, I, I wish I could tell you what the hell he's gonna do with his career as far as what route, but I think he's a for sure major leaguer. He's definitely got a role in a major league bullpen if starting doesn't work. And yep. that's, I mean, I said, that's a value to have, but those guys would probably be, what, 15, yep. 20 yep. In, in the rankings at best for those two. And I like them both, but I, I could not argue them much higher than that, which is really a neat thing. Now, one of the, struggles that in my view of things comparatively now i still think they're excellent prospects but they don't have a single guy that's made a top 100 that throws the baseball and now i'm just looking at bas here because that's what i got pulled up but 10 11 and 12 are all three arms you know to and they talked about nine for the top 100 so i mean come on that's you know that's a legit guy right there that could make it or you know legit trio right there that they're just on the edge of those i i guess i'd love to talk for a bit about orioles pitching development because right now gosh they got hitters up the yin yang that that's probably where everyone thinks they're gonna trade from but they got some pitchers that are starting to knock on the door too yeah and it seems like from from our perspective, we're the prospect watchers, it seems real or the Orioles fans, it seems very uh, unbalanced to have hitter a, a hitting future, short term future that looks like it's it's beautiful, like flowers about to bloom, and then pitchers you kind of have to ho- hope for something or squeeze a little bit, and you know it's like ninety in the hitting score and less than ten from 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 the pitching score. Now, it does kind of put a little bit of pressure on names like D.L. Hall or Seth Johnson, but perhaps the Orioles and their number one system and their newfound commitment to pitching development know something more than our community does. And when, when it comes to Hall and, 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 and Johnson, it seems like they're ready for real, real roles. Seth Johnson is on the 40 love he's him. on the 40 man love him right. absolutely love him so you know while we're you know everything on our show sheet from before it, it, it kind of fits in together they haven't mm-hmm. traded for this they haven't signed or acquired this well maybe the, the the this that we're going to get this year is dl hall as a lefty from the pen and seth johnson as a, a righty from the pen one moderately known and one totally unknown to 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 fans and people on the outside i guess that's really 
a very uh, fan type of biased take, <laughs> but I am noticing that they haven't signed anyone. And yeah. they haven't, you know, there, there's no, they, they got Jonathan Heasley from the, the Royals, but is he someone they're going to use as much as, say, Danny Colomb? Or is that yeah. or is that blank going to be filled in by DL Hall? Maybe we'll find out in in camps. And again, maybe I'm completely wrong, and they'll start signing people soon because there's a new person doing the signing. But that doesn't seem likely. What does seem more like likely is that they're going to use the the names that they have and that they already trust. Do do you think we see a, a possibility that we ch- see guys like Chase McDermott or or, or Cade Povich in, in in the majors this year to help out with 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 the rotation and maybe they think that's part of the 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 re- or maybe that's the reason why they're not trading for a frontline arm or do you think these guys could and I know we talked about it pre-show that maybe both both of these guys could probably be trade pieces uh to for for some teams uh as well everyone talks about you know kobe mayo and jack and jackson holiday and these guys being involved in trade talks but you know could could povich or mcdermott be part of the, these trade packages too or do you see these guys potentially making an impact this year in the rotation that's a great question it's uh, and and if i knew the answer i mean that's that really is like the the, the million dollar type stuff that that orioles uh social media and orioles fans are, are really concerned about i guess to start out answering, I would say that somebody somehow is going to excel in camps, whether it's beating the Pirates prospects three out of four starts and showing a K per nine of like 13 or, or you know, that Chase did that a, a little bit last year. And then he had a, a good season that showed that, that that wasn't that far off from, from who he is at ceiling. So maybe it'll be him. Uh, maybe it'll be Seth. Maybe it'll be D.L. I'm kind of inclined and not really based on anything in particular. I kind of think that one of the names that they will deal if they trade for pitching is Kate Povich. I don't think there's anything they don't like or don't trust about him at at all. In fact, I I think they they think he's good. But when they say we're going to have to give up something to get something, there's a group of, of, of players like that. And he's he's just for some some reason in that group. Again, not a not a lack of faith or trust or, or, or belief in it, in his stuff, but right. they're, they're going to have to give up a couple prospects. And I think he's like what they consider a name prospect that, that they're okay with moving to the, to the other part of your question. I actually do think that we're going to see an Orioles pitching prospect contribute in the major leagues. Someone that we consider a prospect today, maybe that hasn't even broken through and, and made the majors, and Chase or Povich or Seth Johnson, is those are the ones that are in that, in that category for me. Yeah. So um, our man, Robbie Baseball, is uh, not on with us tonight, but he had a good question here. And that's a player who I'll admit I remember that in the, twi- in the Twins trade, but, boy, I hadn't followed much of what he had done, what Ron Rojas has done since. And he really hasn't pitched much, but he's the thing is he's pitched where Eric could see him. So Eric, yep. what what have you seen of Juan Rojas in the uh, times that you've seen him down there in the last couple of years? Well, the the irony of the deal for Jorge Lopez and getting two FCL pitchers back 
Juan Nunez and Juan Rojas is that the starts, the first starts I saw for both of them were kind of dominant against the Orioles. Oh, well, okay. Rojas is, was, was better. In fact, Bailey, my, my partner on the, the podcast that I do, we were together watching it in Fort Myers. And I remember looking at him like, man, this guy is tough. This guy is a high strikeout guy. And like weeks later, he was on the Orioles. So he's had some arm problems and some mild non-elbow injuries. He's had to come back to Sarasota a couple times and do his recovery and his rehab schedule. So I've gotten to know him as much as I, I, I've seen him on the uh, MILB package. He, he's pretty I, – I wrote about Nunez today for a, a sleeper's piece, but Rojas is, is just as good, if not better. I think if over the last couple of years, if he's been seen more and had the innings load, we'd have a better idea of how much better. But it, it would not surprise me if – I don't know if he's going to break through but if his time in, in the minors, he's an excellent, like, number one type uh, statistical leader. Yep. He's got multiple pitches. He throws them at multiple times. I don't know if his, uh, what's the word, like, sequencing is as mature as his stuff. If he knows how to get into, get through, and get out of counts successfully. But isn't that what the minor leagues are for? And isn't that yeah. what the Orioles have proven to be good at? Is that is that where you think maybe his issue with the walk rate yep. last year came from yep. is just not sequencing yep. and not knowing I mean cuz quite frankly if you got a you know there there was a thing that I plugged through Twitter today and and uh um, always a mistake well yeah there you go <laughs> but one of the stories was on uh that uh you know Saris was talking about was the low rate or that splitters had the lowest rate of in zone and I thought, you know, but yet they're one of the best strikeout pitches in the majors right now. A lot of people are coming back to a splitter because it has all the actions of a fastball and then just does something completely different at the very end. And that's that's a very valuable pitch. But you also have to know where to throw that pitch and, and when, when to throw that pitch. Yep. Yeah, I mean, throwing that pitch – to open it, I mean, if you're going to pitch backwards, you don't start with the splitter. Let's put it that way, because most of the time it's going to end up in the dirt. It's or it's going to end up, you know, it's not going to end up breaking into the strike zone. Let's just put it that way. And or so, you want to know? Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're behind the behind the eight ball because you're one and zero in the count. So, I mean, that's that's the type of thing. Once again, I, I will say I don't honestly know. I don't know. I'm sure Eric could give a little more information. I don't know Rojas's pitch mix as well as I'd like to, but it just that struck me right away because gosh, he was not that guy when I watched video of him with the twins. He was a he had a very clean delivery that just seemed like he could repeat yep. that over and over. Yep. And I just thought, man, that the fact that he he was walking guys at a you know about a fifteen percent rate this year, that's kind of a that was Rock. really high, you know, for, for what I saw out of him before. So, Well, I mean, I guess I, I don't want to sound like, like basic, but as a pitcher, you've got to know, hold up, do something different in this three-ball count. And if you don't, you're going to have numbers like, like you just stated. So his stuff is trustworthy, but his, 
it's an insult to say it's pitching int intellect. He, he needs to know what to do to control the count a little bit more than he has so far in, in, in the low minors. And again, it's weird because in the rookie leagues, he, he was doing really well with it. But I guess that's uh, an indicator of the, the competition level in the rookie leagues. It's just not as, as advanced as it is once you start getting towards yeah. the, the letter leagues. But I, I really like fans that are paying attention to, to guys like that because sometimes it's a click, a, 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 a new delivery, a new pause in your windup or setup, and then it's all, all up from there. And that's one of the fun things about watching guys through the minor leagues. And kind of going completely different, just to bring in a, one other international lefty for you, Luis De Leon. Oh, oh, I got to see some video on him, and holy crap, is that sexy stuff? <laughs> you didn't? Did you see what he posted today? No, I oh, didn't. But... Oh, he threw. He it's the behind his left shoulder perspective, so you're seeing it, and you can see he goes into the windup, and you have it's an Instagram story, so you can kind of like press and stop it, okay. so you see his grip, his slider grip, and then he throws it, and it goes from top left to bottom right and at the very end whips back left right before the catcher catches. That's, it is so so stimulate i oh, mean oh man yeah that's, yeah yeah that's, that's, extremely real yeah he's i mean just the movement he generates and yep. i mean this is this is the type of guy that a good system getting back into the international game needs to hit on one or two oh, yeah you know they signed him as a guy who is old as an international prospect. He was yep. 18, 19 when they signed him. And they right. signed him for like 25,000, 30,000, something like that. 20 Gs for Luis De Leon. So, I mean, that's a hell of a – I mean, compared to – we just saw January 15th. We saw the guys that got like up to four, and I don't believe we had a $5 million guy this year. But we did have some $4 million guys. Yep. I don't know that DeVries or uh, any, anyone else got four or – five but still it's not for 30 or for 20 grand for whatever it that's a damn good deal for that kind of talent and he's already shown it at full season ball yeah you know, his, and, yeah his, I, his I, development I, is it, it's go it's going to really explode kind of like one of his heaters one of my favorite things or favorite ways to find out that the orioles are, are doing a good job you know i am biased most of the people that I communicate with our Orioles yes type of people. Yes, you know, it's it's just never going to – nobody's going to get in touch with me to tell me how bad they think Samuel Basayo is. It's just – that's not, <laughs> not the world I live in. You know? So I like it when scouting people or professional people or international evaluators from other teams talk about their mistakes being the Orioles' win. And I have one from a team that you really like, Ben – that showed me their sheet, their evaluation of De Leon and what he was worth and should be bought for on his initial camp appearance in another country. And their cross-checker, their, their scouting director said, we're not interested at, at any price, no matter how cheap he goes. And in that week, the Orioles and his agent got in touch. So that's, that's a major major win for such a low total yeah. and this organization does a lot with international pitching so maybe De Leon won't hit the, the the ceiling he would have with 
with, with them, but he looks to have great natural ability. The, the ball coming off his fingers in slow motion is really kind of reminiscent of a point guard that's trying to navigate through a tight space in traffic and just have that spin hit exactly right. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot to build on with his profile and his natural skill set. I, I would not be surprised if he's getting outs at Bowie by the end of this year. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, he's, he's one to me that the command, if he takes just that step forward in command, he could absolutely be a, a guy, you know, we're going to zip back to a team that I know well, but a guy who could zip through as quick as someone like A.J. smith Schauber did. Yep. Who could yep. rock it up. He may not come up and immediately be a starter. He might come up and only if, there's injuries and they need him to start, but there could definitely be, you know, up to the trip, up to triple A for sure by the end of next year. If that command takes another tick forward, because that's really where it's at is he's got the control. It's the command of that pitch, you know, within the zone, you know, he hits the zone fairly well with his pitches, but you got to command it. And sometimes when you're young and you're just, you know, where this, where it's supposed to go in the zone a slider like you're talking about drifts out of the zone. You yep. know, well, and you know, as you get up into the, you know, upper minors, you got to be able to just dot the bottom of that box as you know, that we all see on TV and think is the actual strike zone, but that's a whole nother discussion. Uh, but you got to be able to dot the bottom corner of that to where a hitter is like, yeah, that's a ball. Yeah, but it ends up getting called because it's hitting that right spot. So, I mean, that's um, Mike. I've I've been chatting with with Eric for a bit here. No, it's all good, man. I've, I I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> I, I I appreciate the conversations. We did have another question here, Eric, from Joe L, and he wants to know uh, where oh. you see Anderson De Los Santos needs. What do he needs to do to take the next step uh, for yeah. for the O's? Okay, that's another player that man. What a, I could I could do this forever. That's <laughs> another, a, another guy that spent a lot of time, maybe more than people think, in the low minors. He has physically developed the right way. Mm -hmm. This guy's wrists are as quick as any prospect. I've seen him get beat bad with a pitch. I'm waiting for the ump to throw up their right hand, and it ends up being a double oppo down the right <laughs> field line. Like, wow, how did you even, how did you even touch it, Dalo? But the things that he needs to work on are day-to-day -day consistency. He's had some really great streaks, and he's had some lengthy streaks where he's over. He, he's not helping the team. He's not moving runners over. You know, if you're going to be a, a trusted baseball player that advances past the, the low minors, which his skill set says he should, you need to be somebody that the manager knows, I can put you in, and you're going to only help us. Even if you go 0 for 5, you know, you're going to turn two double plays, one of which was, was very tough. You have to stay in mentally every single day. And I don't want to say that's been a struggle for him, but there's other people in his class that have already demonstrated it and, and have moved on. I know I'm biased. As I've said before, I'm a prospect hugger. I think I don't think this is going to be a breakout year for him, but I do think we're going to see that that day-to-day, series-to-series consistency from him, and he can start his – his climb instead of kind of stagnating at uh, at Delmarva. I, I see him as a middle-of-the-order type with, with the power and the wrist that he has. 
Great question. I'd love to talk about him. Hitting 228 last year is not going to get it, not going to get it done, obviously. No, so he'll need no. obviously need to build upon that. But um, yeah, I, I I hope that he can take the next step. I, do you see him moving up next next year? Do you think they they give him a fully full year back in Delmarva? I think there are factors not just directly related to how he performs. It's kind of like his timeline means that he's going to move up. I wouldn't be surprised. If he has a mild camp and he goes to Aberdeen anyway, that's their their high A above Delmarva. Right. So just because there's a new crop coming and some of them have to get there, or pardon me, a lot of them, Leandro Arias, Aaron Estrada, Braylon Tavera, they have to get their, their, their Delmarva at bats. So I, I, I want to say the Orioles look forward to trusting him and hope that this is the season he gives them a couple of those consistency-related reasons to do so. Welcome to hell! The Plato Podcast will be right back after these very unimportant messages. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So where do you think he plays, Eric? Third base. I I watch him at third, and I kind of wonder if he's not a, a corner outfielder playing third right okay. now uh just because yeah. it seems like that the quick instinct reactions aren't yep. quite there yeah. uh, then again he just really is he's in he the guy played shortstop forever growing yep. up and the orioles have moved him to third mostly since they've had him he's played some short but it just the the bat comes off different, or the ball comes off the bat different at third versus short. You have a split second more to react, all those things. And it just seemed like he was just that hair trigger slow at third. And sometimes guys pick that up. Sometimes it's, well, it's never going to quite get there. So i just curious if you had seen enough to go, for sure that's a third guy, or for okay. sure he's an outfielder either way, that's all. Well, I think they have him at third. I agree with your assessment word for word, and I've watched him in slow motion, and I'm the one filming it, and you're right. That reaction is just not as elite as other third basemen with the whole body, the whole setup. Yeah, he can get in front of it, but is he going to know where it's going to bounce to or where it's going to spin to off that first? No, because he hasn't spent his life standing there and watching it. Also – getting behind the ball to throw it, like putting your lower body into it. He's really good at that. 
that's kind of different. And that may be Portens, an outfielder, picking up that ball on the bounce and using that momentum to throw to second or to throw to third. So maybe he's he's going to end up better at that than being that slick glove guy at third base. I think that's really an excellent observation. Some other people don't see that and think of him as a lifelong long corner. I think of him as a corner where he is right now, but he could show more and and or show different and mm-hmm. end up somewhere else. Very, very good observation. Like, it seems like a lot of his throws are wanting to be Brooks Robinson. You know, okay. grabbing right. the ball and fading, fading into the pace past the foul line. Because Brooks did that when he was ranging to stuff that nobody else in the world should be able to touch. And that's why he had to make that throw. He's making that kind of throw on what should be a pretty routine third base play. Again, that consistency, it's its just, yep. you, I say series to series or day to day. It's another way to measure it is throw to routine throw. Can mm-hmm. you do that consistently? Or are you trying to go like Lamar Jackson and take a step sideways and, and throw it sidearm? Because that, that doesn't even work in the FCL. You're not throwing no. guys out that that way. So again, th- these are the type of things that I guess pe- some people, maybe even the fan that that asked that question, kind of expected him to to be passed or already. But again, this is the minor leagues, and some guys take a month to show they can handle that, and some guys take fifteen to twenty months to show that. And it sounds like he's going to be to your take, Eric. It sounds like he's going to be figuring that out in, in, Aber- in Aberdeen uh, this right. upcoming season. So mm-hmm. yep. Which so, he's going to have a lot of other guys fighting for that spot, though, too, between yeah, third and absolutely. short. So, so here's a here's a guy that I will be honest, Eric. I don't know Ryan Long, I, and and I'll say I've I've seen stats, but I couldn't tell you that I've honestly intentionally watched any video on Ryan Long. So what what do you okay. got for Ryan Long? Answer our question here on starter, reliever, organ depth. So. I'm going to say relief pitcher because of his lack of depth in the arsenal and a couple of his offerings are quite trustworthy and a couple of them have proven to get hit off and, and hit hard. So it's not like he's going three pitches into into the bag. Uh, the thing that I like most about Ryan Long is his layback personality, his approach to his profession, and his... Uh, lack of perfectionist tendencies. I don't want to say he's all right with whatever happens, but he knows that he's a professional in a game where uh, luck is involved, circumstances are involved. He likes being the guy on the mound. Uh, I don't. I don't think he's got the shining type stuff to break through. But I've said that about a thousand guys, and they have. And yeah. as an Orioles fan, I, ho- I hope that I'm wrong because I like him so much. But I have seen some indications from the organization that they're okay with people getting up to and, and, and passing Ryan Long. It's not like he's not a competitor, but everybody competes differently. I kind of yeah. like, like his, you know, I'm not a bull in a china shop. I'm a pitcher on a mound in Although- reality type of perspective. There are some bulls that might be smaller. I'm just saying. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's a He's big sure. boy. He's yeah, a big He's boy. Sure. Yo, by the way, we have a seven-foot pitcher in, in the organization. Also, that's yeah. Jared I was just Pitt. gonna say this goes back to uh, 
gosh, it's been probably five, six, seven years ago that the Orioles went through a draft and brought in something like five guys who were six, eight or better. And none of them ended up turning into anything, but it was boy watching that. Uh, oh, what the short season ball, short season, advanced ball, not the right. complex, but the, their short season team seemed to have all those guys. And it was just like, as a hitter, how the hell do you prepare for facing six, eight, six, nine, six, ten, six, eight? And you're just like, that ain't the next day I'm going to face five, ten. What the heck? Right. Like, how right. do you deal with that? <laughs> right. I remember that draft class. They also had somebody uh, like a, a 300 pound pitcher. So somebody that was just as wide as the other guys were were tall and he we're also <laughs> did, yeah. did not last uh, a, a, a very long time maybe a season and a half so you know you, you, you live and you learn that was a philosophy that that did not work but uh the videos that i have from from beck you know on the mound which is raised mm-hmm. and standing next to other guys in the clubhouse or in the dugout it is it's really unique to see somebody an entire head tall <laughs> than that taller than a tall person like Kobe Mayo looking like I don't want to say uh, Kobe Mayo looking like a very short person, which he is most <laughs> certainly not. So may, maybe less tall pitchers, uh, just a few of them will, will end up end up working out a little bit better. So, yeah, there's, a, there's another one that uh, we get into some of those international guys. And yep. well, great I think- question. You know, I, I love, I loved, okay, is it Ben Cosme? Ben Cosme? Second one. Second one? Okay. He's, I loved him coming over, and I liked the swing a lot. Me too. But I really thought he would generate more power in that swing, okay. just watching it. And and I'm, so I think that's a really good question as to, Me too. you know, does he, does he add some pop into that swing? I in in an article that I wrote today several hours ago he was he was <laughs> Good the, the number one guy that that I consider to be a sleeper and he is someone and you know, I'm really not that good at this and I also don't try to do it I predict that this will be his breakthrough season and this will be the year when he puts you know we're not more than 6 per 485 500 over the fence so this is the first time on the farm we're going to see some extra base hit slash power from him because he has gained a little bit of weight in the offseason. Well, he has gained like 15 to 18 pounds. So for some people, that's a little bit. For But for a hitter that's trying to not be skinny and demonstrate that he oh, yeah. can gain weight, I'd say that's kind of significant. And his cage videos are, yeah, are he, much louder. He was abnormally lean. Like, right. Okay. Okay. So fifteen to eighteen—that's I mean, making him, that's, a difference. Yeah, he he was skinny, lean, not like health. I mean, not saying he wasn't healthy, but when you watch him, the way it, the uniform sat, yep, it sat like a really skinny kid that just hadn't filled into anything yet. And so I remember talking to him when he was here, the FCL. He did not spend a lot of time here. He got really hot and moved up, but these games are one hundred and ten degrees. Even me just sitting there and what and some you know they take a long time. So I remember talking to him like, "Dude, do you think you're sweating the weight that you need to keep away?" And he <laughs> said, "Yeah, we we don't eat that much after the game. Sometimes it's like fruit and granola bars. Like I I need some chicken. I need some cheese. So 
he's been like on this crusade to get bigger for the purpose of power for two the better part of two and a half years during his time as a professional. I trust his swing very much. His contact okay. ability yeah, yeah. Is, is worth paying attention to. And the dude doesn't strike out. Yeah. That those are the type of things that the, the foundation to build on for Freddie is a lot more clearer than than people think. That extremely low, almost non-existent strikeout rate is a great place to start. You can put him anywhere in your in your order, not four or five, but expect him to move guys over, to make contact, to go oppo in the in, off the right pitch, or to guess right in a count. You know his numbers haven't been great, but the things I just outlined are quite advanced. Yeah, I, you know yeah. his career average for the minors is higher than than three hundred. So he had a really bad average year last year. His strikes and walkout, uh, strikeouts and walks are, are kind of even career-wise and last year. His on-base is adequate. So I trust Freddie a lot, a great deal. He cares about getting better. And, and the one thing, you know, I don't, I don't know how to say this and make it, like, sound nice. His irrational confidence is at the <laughs> level it needs to be to get himself through adversity and keep going. I love to see guys that never believe they're bad, even when they're going bad. And Freddie is the king of that. You, you can't tell him he's not a great player. He doesn't believe it. So this is the year that Freddie breaks out. You can, you can remember that I said that. All right. So I had mentioned a couple in, in uh, pre-show stuff, a couple of guys that I thought were – fairly low and then i pull up ba's top 30 and they actually had one of the guys on there which kind of made me feel like maybe i wasn't uncovering as much as i thought i was but uh alex fam is the pitcher i mentioned and then billy cook who is primarily still is he still primarily playing outfield because i know he was playing around with some second base too but uh, outfield, um, most mo- uh, 80 percent outfield 20 percent okay but that that uh the fam I really like for the fact that I think he just he has an entire repertoire of average and nothing nothing is really even a 55 pitch but he doesn't even have a 40 in the rest in the repertoire either and he has five pitches so you can come at somebody with five average pitches it's all about sequencing and you could be a very good back-end guy with that you know yeah, that's they- a, that's a back-end profile right there i think the fact that he's shorter than six foot is likely going to scare some people off but if you could come in toss five good pitches over and over and over again that's a that's a perfect number five number four guy i think this might surprise you in the sleepers article fam was in it as well (laughs) and i i i i'm i'm I wholeheartedly agree with with your assessment of him, but there, he looks like a back end guy. There's things that are holding him back and limiting his his profile. So he looks like a back end guy. He did show a great deal of endurance, and his metrics are decent, just similar after 70, 80 pitches that they are at the beginning. So maybe he's he's going to be a starter no matter what, or a five innings guy, or or a what is baseball called like a swingman type right now but the sequencing the, what we said about uh rojas before 
Pham is maybe the best guy in the org at knowing his competition, when to throw what pitch, yeah. in what situation. He's never going to beat himself when he's going super hot or when he's just kind of doing his regular thing. So when he got moved up to Bowie, you're going to look at a lot of the numbers and be like, wow, that takes away trust or that even lowers his ceiling because Bowie is double A. That's where it really starts. He lowered his walk rate by 5% when he got to double A. So if I'm an Orioles pitching coach, he's the, he's the reflection of how good our system and our philosophy is. And I don't know if I expect him to, to build on it and be a star, but other people, other prospect evaluators are going to start noticing him this year. It was kind of limited last year. He really only had like a hot run of five or six starts, but maybe it'll be like 16 or 17 out of 30 appearances will be at that level this year. And, and if so, he's taken that next step to be a four mm-hmm. or a five. He just reminds me a lot of a guy like Bryce Elder. He just okay. come out and he okay. has that kind of mentality on the mound that I'm going to challenge you with what I am pretty sure I can beat you with. And I'm just going to keep throwing what I think I can beat you with. And then the next guy that comes up might see two completely different pitches that I never threw you. And I'm going to, you know, with each guy that comes up, I have what I think I can beat you with and I'm going to throw it. And it, what none of it may be sexy. Right. What? What? He's a five pitch guy. Just what I, I read on him here, Eric. But do you think that 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 helps him or limits him to a certain extent? Do you think he really hones in on a couple pitches to make those more plus pitches, or do you think that he continues to throw and have be a five a five pitch pitcher? If that makes sense. I think that's another thing. Depending on your perspective, that might limit his ceiling. He's a guy where two of them are are great, and the the second. It's not secondaries. The secondary is the changeup. So it's not right. really spinning away or, or going away mm-hmm. from a bat path like a slider. You know, it, it means you've got to know who you can throw a slider to right. or yeah. what they're trying to do. All this is to say this is a very intelligent uh, athlete on the mound in motion. He has a plan before he's going to do it, and then he does it. Now, I like Alex. I've met him a bunch of times, and I hope that his career as a pitcher is excellent. But this is someone who I can tell as a coach or an instructor is going to be helping a lot of people get better and see and understand the game like, like he does. Some, some athletes see that as kind of an, an insult, but I think he's so smart in action that he's the kind of mind that can really, really help somebody get better even if they're you know a, a young a young pitcher or a non-prospect something that he kind of has experience with a late draft pick a very very moderate bonus so he's never been the the shining star that people have expectations of and you know a perspective that's not uncommon in the minor leagues and that's it's, that's bruce zimmerman right there yep i mean that's really that's what bruce zimmerman always was coming up he was never expected to be that guy, and then yeah. just has. I mean, it obviously lost him due to injury last year, but, I mean, he came up into the majors, and he just he did what he needed to do at the back of a rotation. So, yeah. Tough guy. Very, very tough yeah. mentality with, 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 with Zim. I'm glad that he's in the majors. I don't consider him to be a minor league pitcher. I consider him to be a major leaguer. So we'll see if he stays with the Orioles long term 
or if he ends up somewhere else. But right, that's a that's a fair comparison. So the other guy I was I was mentioning was Billy Cook. Uh-huh. And I you know, I don't know how much you know you get your uh, teeth into a lot of other systems, Eric, but to me, one of the guys that had maybe the best statistical season in the minor leagues last year was Blake Dunn okay. uh, with, with the Reds organization, who's a 25-year-old or so. And I think he went like 25 and 50 or something ridiculous like that. Just a, a nuts type of season of power and speed. And I don't think Billy is that type of guy, but there is power, there is speed, and there is a 25. Yeah, he is 25 now, too. But there's the ability to take a walk. And that when I watched him a little bit in the Arizona Fall League this year, he really works counts. Yep. He works counts very well. And he just seemed like he got good wood on every ball that he then attacked. Now, it's a, it's a loopy swing. It's going to yep. be a – you know, we were talking earlier on uh, Dan Uglug versus, you know uh, – a Dan Ugla profile versus a Jeff Kent profile. This is a guy who okay. you hope for it is going to be a Dan Ugla profile, you know, 220, right. 240, but probably gets on base at a 350 rate, you know, provided everything works for him down the road. Here's a great uh, clue or indicator about who Billy Cook is and how he's thought of. A lot of times last year when I'm talking to prospects, it just, it's something that I always wonder who do you guys think? is the best how can you tell me that i'm wrong who do i need to talk about more you know i i, I know some of you wish that you could be d- discussed more on podcasts more who's the one name that we don't talk about enough to a man it was billy cook every time and i remember guys being like you know you you film uh basayo in the cage or jackson holiday in camps at the cage or Kobe Mayo with his moonshots or cursed dead. Why do you not film Billy Cook <laughs> in the cage? Because he hits it just as high, just as far and just as loud. And he can run on the base paths like those yeah. guys can. And I started paying attention to him a little more. And I was like, eh, you know, I'll listen to you guys. I'll take your word for it. But I really, I really don't believe it. Second half of the season, he, yeah. he, he, he kind of showed out. And he, he was consistent. His streaks were better. His extra base hits were, again, more consistent. So may, maybe these guys that are with him every single day and practice and improve with him, may, maybe they're on to something. But it's hard <laughs> to look past the fact that he is 25 and he's in a system that's, that's churning out good to great type of profiles. So why, why, why wouldn't you think? that a guy like Cook, strong, fast, athletic, good baseball skill set, why, why won't he reach at, uh, at or near ceiling? Exactly. I, I mean, he's just, he seems like a, he's an easy guy to cheer for. Let's put yep. it that way. Watch yep. him play the game. He's an easy guy to cheer for. So, yep. Mike, what do you got? You want to make sure we get talking about here because you got to have you better join the heck out of this. I yeah, know. this is Bye. great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I have to bring up. We talked about it before in the in the, in the pre-show, uh, Eric, but really quickly here because I know we're running a little bit over time. Um, 
and it's in my little white bubble here. If you guys can't see it. <laughs> between me and my, my, ah, O's, right, right, my, right. O's, my O's buddies, we always talk about this. Uh, and there's, it, it seems between the fan base, these people that I engage with on Twitter and even just my buddies, um, there's, it's 50, 50 lane. You, you, I think you hit it on the head pre pre-show is that everyone, depending on who you talk to, you pull a hundred people and 50, you're going to be for Norby and 50, you're going to be for Joey Ortiz. When we start talking about trades for pitchers and guys that we want to see go and, Mind you, this there's only so many infield spots, right? Um, they have similar bills in terms of their weight and their height. Um, and I know we talked about it too. It depends on what you like and what you think this team needs, right? Joey Ortiz might be a guy who's more of a defensive specialist, and Norby's going to be more of your power hitting second baseman. And, um, you know, Ben t- touched on it too. Maybe, you know, he's going to be praying, hey, don't hit the ball my way. What's your take um, uh, uh, between these two, between Norby and Joey Ortiz? If you're, if you're a team vying for one of these Orioles prospects, uh, who, would you, who would you be looking to acquire out of these two? Their line-for-line line comparison on the field and like kind of statistically extends mm-hmm. to their personalities too. They're very quiet they're not going to celebrate unless it's like a game-winning home run. Very consistent, can keep the same facial expression through a mistake or through a strikeout. So these guys are so alike, but one is an elite hitter and one is an elite fielder, and, and they both kind of lack that on, on the other side. So it really right. depends what you're looking for organizationally and what your team philosophy is now joey offers versatility he can play second very well but you do not want to not use that fielding percentage that zone protector at shortstop it would basically be stupid there's there's not a lot of defensive guys on planet earth that can field like like joey so is that really versatile you kind of have to keep him at shortstop norby played really well defensively last year at left field, made highlight-worthy sliding catches more than once, popped up and threw guys out at a base. So maybe in in, in the versatility rankings, Norby just pulls ahead a little bit of that. I have to be honest. I, I like both of them going forward, and I've been pleasantly surprised by their development. Remember, Norby was a hit over power guy in, in, in college, a high yeah. average, yeah. high super high hit per at bat guy. He's not He's that. Carolina, right? Right. 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 A, a great a great program and a great uh perfect game program, but, but before that, he's always been that. Then he gets to the pros and he's got some pop. Then Joey gets to the pros. He had 28 home runs last year. So, maybe Joey is kind of like closing the gap to to <laughs> offensively but I still think, like like Ben outlined before the show, Joey is a major league glove for a very long time. No matter how you decide to to use him or or you know start or or not start him, so there's that already. We know that today. So there's a lot of ways to compare them. Not uh, not many of them really separate the two. So it really kind of depends on what what your preference is. Do you want someone you can trust? as a hitter or run producer, or do you want someone that's going to make one error per thousand touches, which is just a ridiculous way to, 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 to play baseball. Me, myself, yeah. I like both of them. I'm going for the no errors over months in a row for, for Ortiz. He will just not mess up. 
So I, yeah. I, I would choose Joey, put him at shortstop, and let the pitchers trust uh, hard ground balls that are hit towards his feet. And I, I'm a little bit biased because I'm a big Connor Norby guy. Uh, going That's into cool. last season, I was a, I was a big Kobe Mayo guy, obviously, uh, and still am. Um, but I, I I thought I thought Connor played so well last year, and I yep. thought he had the absolute crap out of the ball. If you watch any of his game highlights, I think I feel like he took the next step, and I feel like he, he's on this trajectory too. That and when people talk about dealing some of these guys for pitchers, I'm hoping and praying that we we hang on to him just because I like his bat so much. But to your point, too, you know, defense wins championships, too. And I think Ben used a good good comparison. Ben, for, for uh, forgive me if I'm if I'm mistaken here. A Ray Ordonez. Ray Ordonez, one of yeah. the best yeah. defensive shortstops that's ever played, ever. Yeah, yep. And if, and so, if Ordonez could have hit a consistent oh. 270, he would have played in the majors as a starting shortstop for 30 years. I mean, 30. you know, well, well, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that. I mean, really, Vizquel is not that – I mean – Vizcali had a really nice reputation as a shortstop, but yep. uh, let's just say that the the numbers don't play out that Vizcal was quite as good as what his reputation was. That's fair. Um, but uh, Vizcal was a high-end defensive shortstop that could hit for decent average. And look at how long he was basic. He has stats that people are arguing for him for the Hall of Fame yep. because he stayed around so long that he accumulated a lot of hits. And that made it look like, hey, this guy was an elite player for a long time. I, yeah, okay. Um, let's let's just say you could probably tell what my vote would be for him, with or without the off-field stuff that has come up since his retirement from baseball that has will never allow me to put him on a on a ballot. But that's a whole other discussion. He was also, an offensive the, wizard too. So, and that yeah. I mean, for that loan right there, I mean, I, for me at least, would be enough to get him in. But to your point, Ben, his off the field stuff, uh, yeah, that, hard to overlook. That's what I was gonna uh, look at. Also, Mike Joey is excellent at defense, but there, him and Vizquel are not the same type of movers on the dirt. Vizquel's no. very graceful, very smooth, kind of an anticipatory style of fielding. Joey gets to the ball like a running back going through that first hole, that, that <laughs> offensive line hole. He's moving with power to where he believes the, the ball is. And to watch him drill over hours with coaches, I mean, he just plays a beautiful game. It's just torque and thrust based. It's, with it's very – rep- it's, it's, re- it's reminiscent of Anderson Simmons. Like okay. early on in his right. career, the way – I mean, power. Simmons was like – yeah – He'd sprint to a spot, and then, of course, he also knew that he had a 99-mile-an-hour arm in the back pocket whenever he caught a ball that was in a goofy angle. He could just launch the ball across the infield. Joey doesn't quite have that, Not but it isn't a, it's, it's absolutely a plus arm. You know, it's absolutely a legit shortstop arm. Right. But, yeah, you're right. The, the aggressive nature that he goes after stuff. I, that, I just love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. And if I'm a pitcher – throwing guys and that that guy's catching the bouncers at his feet like he wants to do that that's yeah. that's how he sees his baseball career so it, it is a tough choice I, f- I feel very much like i'm exactly 50 50 but if i've got to choose one because only only one guy can play i'm going to choose joey yeah and for, for me too the the other part i think that, that you had mentioned too like norby can play and, and, and he's moving over into the had played a good left field last year right uh can play second base really good 
And the majors, and to your point too, Joey Ortiz is going to be a guy that you can really put him at short, maybe some second. But those 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 spots are going to be taken by Holiday and 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 Mayo and Henderson. Does, does Connor does Connor Norby have more of a, a better path to the O's from an outfield perspective than say Joey Ortiz? And maybe and and I'm interested to hear a take on on that on that front. That's very reasonable. And the Orioles outfield high minors depth chart, it might seem like it's getting a little crowded, but if they decide to not retain veteran guys, maybe, maybe like a Ryan example or, 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 or Ryan McKenna, or if they move yeah. on from Kyle Stowers, someone is going to have to fill that spot in the pecking yep. order. I'm a prospect hugger. I would love it if it was Judd Fabian, but he is, he's not there just yet. Maybe, right. you know, hopefully – by, by May or June, but before then, it could very well be Norby. I'm telling you, they love the fact that he can contribute as a left fielder and a good one. And yeah. their manager, Buck Britton, would not have put him there if he wasn't uh, going to help the team. And not only did he help the team, he performed in the AAA championship very well as an infielder right. or an outfielder. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking back of when I said that he's like a, a low-emotion type of player. I know one thing that really, you know, I didn't see him. I, I didn't communicate with him directly. But all the trade talk and his name being like the chief guy, I know that he does. He did not yep. enjoy that initially. And it wasn't because you know he, he he's like an outcast. It's because he loves what the Orioles have done for him. And he kind of yep. wants to pay them back by being good for them more than he is for another organization that has not developed him. I like that mentality. That's yep. very very realistic. Like I'm not yep. going to get mad until you guys start thinking of getting rid of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fire so, We should probably start I mean we could we, all three of us I think we could probably still be here about 4 hours from now. <laughs> um, yeah. we should probably wind this up, but I guess I don't want my phone to run some, something that you said early okay. that I would like to close with. Okay. You mentioned that we very well could possibly see a fourth number one. And I'm just curious who you believe that guy is Good in question. the system right now. And then I, I have a idea of who it is, <laughs> but where does that guy then play in Baltimore were he to get to Baltimore? Okay. This is probably the Orioles prospect that I've studied the most, have the most footage on, and 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 know the 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 best as well. Uh, that is catching prospect Samuel Basayo, who has finally caught fire. Everybody knows about him. Autograph mm-hmm. people, baseball card people, <laughs> prospect people, yeah. you know, people that don't study the minors that that just only give a cursory look to a prospect list. You know, they have to know who he is based on where he's been ranked. In, in, in the early round of, of lists coming out. I mean, I, I, I love this guy. I, I, I think that he's got uh, the hand-eye coordination and wrist skills of a high average type, a, a Ben Cosme profile or, or, or you know, some, some of your bigger names that have hit for high average. His contact ability is through the roof, but neither are as good or as trustworthy as his power is right now. He is a very strong person yeah. when he makes consistent contact uh it, it's not as barrel ish as you'd like right now but he's tall that swing and perfecting the location of its path it's going to take a little while 
Samuel is 19 years old. He doesn't yeah. turn 20 until late in this season. So this is his his age 19 year. You know, it's it's a strange transition with prospect profiles, but the Orioles are really showing signs that they're advancing his development. They're moving him forward. They trust him a ton. The international players in the Orioles system kind of treat him like he's like a mob boss. You know, they really have a great deal of, of reverence for him and, and what he can do. I've seen him lead an average team in the FCL to uh, a better win percentage than they should have just because they had him. I've seen him control the running game. I've seen yeah. him talk to pitchers that have no stuff, no business being in the pros and calm them down so they can work through an inning. You know, I, I don't want to say Sam is a miracle, but as your, your first big international signing – they really hit on a guy. Oh, yeah. He's, yep. you know, and this is another thing. Before we look at, at his position, when he was discussed as a trade ship in, in, in a deal, I do not, I'm biased again. I do not think the Orioles, as currently constituted, would even trade him for a Garrett Cole type. I think wow. they are going to find out where his ceiling is and hold on to him for as long as possible if not his his whole career. The video that was my that next I question got... to you. Well, I, that was my next question to you. Is he's got to be hit. for me he's an untouchable prospect, right? Like he can't he's one of those guys and you brought if it up with the Garrett Cole. Yeah. I mean in terms of they can't be looking to get rid of him. I mean they, they anybody else but but him. So and and I, obviously Holiday and Mayo. Well, you know, if, if it was Garrett Cole for Holiday, we don't we don't have to we don't have to talk oh, yeah. about anything no. like that. Uh-huh. But I've got a, t- a ton of video on Sam. The thing he does the best is throw. Yeah. He, it's a perfect release. It's a perfect delivery. From the crouch, his, his step all the way up is timed pretty good, but he's not getting any smaller. He's not getting any shorter. And it yeah. puts a lot of wear and tear on, on your lower legs. I don't know if the Orioles care about that. If they want him throwing out runners or, or if they want him – playing first base, where I've seen him also be excellent. You know, his mm-hmm. scoop skill is good from his experience at, at catching. Yeah. I'm going to say he's a catcher until he reaches the high minors, and then just based on what they believe his bat can be, they shift him to uh, a corner probably first. We're also going to have Adley hopefully extended at that time, so they don't want to have, like, a, a weird or negative crossover but I think in terms of overall catching ability, I think he's already on on Adley's level. He's just going to be too big to stay there yeah, as a six foot four say, professional. Right now, it, to me, catching works for him. Yep. But I don't know. I mean, even by the end of next year, you know, as he fills in, you know, you're still talking like I said, a 19 year old. Yep. As he fills in and he gets into his 20s, that body's going to shift a lot. Yep. Um, and. I guess for me, I, I wonder how much it shifts and what he can do to to keep up the athleticism because that kind of an arm, boy, it'd be lovely if he could throw put that into a corner outfield spot. You know what well, I mean? Like as, as strong as that arm is. Uh I, 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 I don't know if he has the mobility to move out there. That's what I, I mean, like, yeah. yeah. But I do know the dimensions of his father, so we can like kind of see where, <laughs> where he's going to stop. Samuel's already <laughs> taller, but the dad is 
kind of broader in the shoulders and across the back and into the upper legs. I'd say Sam probably weighs about 220 range. Dad is up around 250 in, in pretty good shape. So yeah. Sam's going to gonna gain weight and gain width. That might go take a step towards limiting his mobility anyway. Yeah. But, but, but the, the physical type of stuff is, is on, the, on the back burner for right now because yeah. of what it looks like his, his bat might be. I mean, you don't go from like around 100 to around 13 on the Baseball America list unless somebody thinks you are about to explode or you already did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we could see him at I, we could see him at DH too, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. I know we're talking yeah. about his arm and, and and things like that, but you know, maybe split in between. And I think we're all on the same page that he's not going to be a catcher at the big league level. But you know, uh, between first and maybe DHing, uh, I think would probably, in my opinion, be his two spots. Uh, and and trying to keep him as fresh as possible for his bat, even though, like we had already yeah. mentioned, he's got a great arm. So he's not a brat but I don't think he's going to want to DH because he's going to want to help his team yeah. all the way around more. But if that's what it's got to be and that's yeah. where his best fit is, you know, sorry, dude, you're batting five times a game and, and, <laughs> right. and, 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 and that's it. He, he, he really is a team lifting type of competitor. And I would love mm -hmm. to see him, you know, if he's got an Orioles uniform on helping offensively and defensively, but you know, that's, that's years down the road, but, for, for a year from now, it's very reasonable as, as I've like studied it. I think the battle for number one prospect next year is going to be between Walker Jenkins and Samuel Basayo. Oh and, man. I think that's, you're talking to me. I love, I love Walker. So I, I would say you're talking to my heart right now. So, so, so is that reasonable? <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, yeah, I think, I think folks are going to push Walker up the same way that Basayo got pushed up this year but Walker has a higher starting point. So I kind of wonder if maybe some of the, <sighs> you hate that it happens, but the background of their pre draft prospect status yep. could potentially move him up as a top prospect higher than another guy. Who's maybe a better true prospect, but doesn't I think we have call the that same... bias. Yeah. The same <laughs> pre bias, but Oh man. Eric, tell me if tell me if I'm goofy on this, and it's it's a cross side comparison as far as the swing. Okay, I'm not comparing him by any means to what this guy did in the majors, but the the smoothness of his swing just reminds me so much of a young Manny. Oh, that right. that ability to right. to get everything around the zone, but not expand the zone. Not like a not like a Vlad senior where he was right. expanding the zone and, and hitting everything but just he knew the zone so well, so well. yeah and he could crush everything all over the field for line drives and it's just and it's like i said the smoothness of it. it's not a there's not a loop to it there's not a big right. hitch to it it's just it's a really smooth swing like piece by piece fundamental i don't know if he has the the butt or upper leg strength that manny has oh, right yeah, well yeah but, but he has longer arms right now, so theoretically yeah. he can reach more outside stuff. And if he sees it in that flat path at the top, Ben, I have seen him hammer those pitches yeah. 400 feet like it's absolutely nothing without a lot of oomph in, in the get around. So yeah. yeah, his his swing as it develops is going to be compared to some of the all time greats 
but I, I, I want I want those results. I want that Manny Ramirez. <laughs> he's 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 oh. he's still nineteen. He's got plenty of time to to grow a butt and some and and, and some of those. Yeah. Legs too, right. so we we got some time for him. Alex, and he can go good. hide in the green monster, you know, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> An extremely interesting caveat about Sam and his profile, just like a million guys that we talk about. He's got a younger brother who's oh, outstanding. Yeah. His brother is twelve years old. And he's he's more of the Ben Cosme build. He's all shortstop. This guy's transfer and down to up is lightning quick. His name is Sebastian. When he came to visit last year, I had Orioles t-shirt, Orioles hat, an Orioles <laughs> book. I gave him the whole thing. I was like, hey, yeah. you know, things are going to change because of your brother. I want you to think about <laughs> us when, when you start to get near eligibility. I expect yeah. the same when I come down to Florida, Eric, by the way. I expect the whole oh, thing. Yeah, I need all that when I come down. I got some stuff ready for, for Orioles fans. Are you are you coming this year? No, unfortunately I'm not, but um okay. I'll be at Camden Yards plenty plenty of times this this okay. upcoming season. So I will I will say guys, this is going to be we're bringing my my brother's getting married in DC in September. Okay, correct. Uh, we we are going to make our first trip is my wife and I, but also we're bringing our kids all to Camden Yards. So we're getting in the Camden Yards. We're hoping to get in there when De- it's the when Detroit is in town. We're hoping my boy Justin Henry Malloy is on the Tigers, and we can get to see a you know a double gonna, goal. That's gonna happen. He'll that, be would be a, that that would be a very fun trip, but. Um, so I'm excited for that, and maybe we'll, you know, I'll have to give you guys a report of what I see. But, you know, I'm excited to see some of these guys because, like I said, it'll be mid-September. There's a good chance I see a lot of guys that a we're lot. talking about yep. on this prospect yep. list playing yep. on that team. So, yep. anyway, I, I'd, I'd love to keep chatting here, guys. But I think, A, I'm pretty sure my wife would like me to come up and actually see her since our kids are out of the house, and it's not often we get that. Um, but, B... I think we've we've covered enough to where people have a lot to chew on, which yeah. is a lot of fun. Um, right. So, I guess for for Mike for Eric, I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight, and I hope you got everything you were looking for. Check us out on on Discord. Check us out on Patreon for the Palazzo. Uh, Eric, do you have anything you'd like to to pump? that you're working on right now. You've been talking about a couple pieces you're working on. Anything in particular you'd like to mention right at the moment? Uh, I started working for a online and uh, actual print edition paper in Baltimore called Press Box Live. So I'm going to be covering stuff for them as the players come back to the complexes. The The sleeper Orioles prospect article uh, was, was through them and for them. So I'm going to have stuff. Thank you very much. I'm going to have stuff like... Uh, coming out over the the next couple weeks but really what i like to do is talk orioles prospects and you know it's we've done it for an hour and a half we could do it for four and a half hours i know it's a lot of people to listen to but you know this is really what, what i like to do so every single opportunity to to do it and to kind of like expand the the reach of what the orioles are doing is something that that means a lot to me so uh anytime anyone wants to talk about orioles go ahead and find me and uh i'll i'll do it like I just did it with, with, with you fellas. And I'll plug it again. Get on Eric's Instagram. If you like oh, yeah. prospects, get on Eric's Instagram <laughs> right. because those videos are priceless. And, and he, he doesn't just put up Orioles guys. He It's yeah. majority Orioles guys. But 
he a lot gets of pirates. lots of pirates and, <laughs> and you know i i've seen enough of my braves guys show up on there you know that you know they they come through and he gets a, yeah. a shot or two of them that's i mean it's it's a for those of us who love prospects getting that live video is such a huge asset and eric is one of those great guys providing it so i believe it's Eric underscore Birdland twenty two or something like that. Uh, Eric I, I Birdland, <laughs> you'll figure it out. We're we're being really <laughs> we're we're really helping out. Honestly, though, I bet I would almost guarantee you search Eric Birdland, you're gonna find it. Okay, you that's know. good enough for so, me. So, thank you, Eric, for coming on. Thank you. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, Joe, I, just, I was just gonna say I was just closing out, but Joe said that is it. So we, okay. we must you must that's have it. set your handle just right. Uh, but. Thank you, Mike, for chatting. I'm sure you probably enjoyed it as much as you uh, participated. But, you know, that was really fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice to meet you. Right. It was super fun, man. Thanks so much for popping on with us today. Our, our, ne- our next prospect show is actually going to be a three by three. And I was not smart enough to pull up who it is. <laughs> but I will tell you right off, it's going to be, we're already going to be halfway through the prospect list oh, wow. show. So we're moving fast. We're moving fast this year, guys. So get in, get into those. We're getting awesome views already. And I want to thank all of you who are putting in those views. Our prospect shows are already getting awesome views for what we have seen in the past. We're getting triple digit views already, which for us, that's great. We love, but more than anything, let us know. Like I said, get on the Patreon, get on the Discord. Let us know who you would love to see covered, who you'd love to see talked about. For, for Mike and for Eric, I'm Ben. Thank you all for tuning in. Peace out. The power of prospects is a curious thing. Make a person trade everything for a king. Wyatt Langford is your one true love. For a prospect, you'll trade all the Sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of prospects. That's the power of prospects. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.